Hi there, this is Kevin Skinner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Stockdale, Texas, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. If you live in the Stockdale area, then I would invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship with us in person. You can also check out our webpage at fbcstockdale.org. Here at First Baptist, we are a community church with a kingdom mission, and we invite you to join us on that mission. Well, this last week, earlier this last week, I spent, uh, I was able to get away from the office here uh, just so I could spend some time alone with the Lord, praying and planning and preparing for uh, next year. Uh, and, and so, uh, if you're friends with me on Facebook, then you saw that I spent a, a bulk of the week on the coast in Rockport. And so the condo that I was staying in, I, I turned it into an office for myself, and I set my laptop, up, my laptop up on a table that was looking out a window that was facing the water. So all week long, I was able to just look at this water as I worked. And as I looked at this water each and every day, there was this, just this peaceful flow as the breeze moved across the water. There was just this peacefulness looking at that water. So we're in a series right now titled Undeniable Joy. And as we're going through this series, we're simply walking through the book of Philippians. In fact, we're coming towards the end of this series. Next week, we're going to wrap this series up. But let me just pause right here and remind you of our working definition for biblical joy. Because as we think about joy, there's a lot of different things that we might think about joy because of the world that we live in. And so I think it's important for our understanding of joy to come from what Scripture says. So joy is that good feeling of peace, happiness, and contentment that comes from the spirit that's at work within us regardless of the circumstances that are at work around us. And, and, and as we think about the spirit that's at work within us, as I say each week, the, the spirit that I'm referring to is not our own spirit. It's not a mystical spirit. I'm specifically referring to the Holy Spirit, which is given to each and every believer upon the moment of our salvation. And so if you're here today and you would say you've given your life to Christ, then you have received the Holy Spirit into your life and therefore you have a spirit at work within you that that can produce joy in your life even if the circumstances of your life are not joyful. Now if you haven't yet given your life to Christ, then understand that's your first step. Not simply to recognize your need for joy, but to recognize your need for Jesus. And to recognize that that Jesus came into this world more than 2,000 years ago, that he went to the cross, that he died on the cross for your sins and mine. He rose again victoriously. And if we call upon his name and his name alone, we will be saved. And so if you've never given your life to Christ then pursuing Jesus is not your first step. Pursue, or Pursuing joy is not your first step. Pursuing Jesus is. So I want to bring you back to Rockport with me for, for just a moment because as we think about the peaceful water that I was looking out the window at over, over several days of this last week, it wasn't too long ago that the wind, the breeze that blew over that water, it wasn't a peaceful breeze, rather it was a hurricane which carried uh, 140 mile per hour's, 
per hour winds or more. And along with those winds came great flooding and great destruction. And so if I could, I want to relate the circumstances of our life to that water. Because you may look at your life, and just like the water that I looked at this last week, you may say, you know what, the things in my life are peaceful right now. The things in my life are good. But you may look at your life and you say, you know what, things in my life are not peaceful right now. Right now, man, things seem crazy. Things seem, seem troubling. It, it seems like there's a storm going on in my life right now. You know, as we think about the circumstances of our life, many times we, we go through seasons. There are peaceful times, and sometimes it, it seems like the, the winds are, are crazy, that the, the storms are, are blowing, and uh, that the waves are crashing, and the water is choppy. But here's the hope that we have in Jesus, that we can have and we can walk in this true and biblical joy when things are peaceful, but also when the winds of life are blowing, when the waves are choppy, and, and when, uh, when things are chaotic. Because when we have the Holy Spirit in our lives, peace happiness and contentment are going to be rooted not in our circumstances, but they're going to be rooted in our Lord. As we look at the book of Philippians, Paul's peace, happiness, and contentment are clearly not rooted in his circumstances. Paul is in prison for preaching the gospel, and while he's in prison, he's continuing to preach the gospel. And also, while he's in prison, he is writing this letter that is filled with so much joy. Paul's peace, happiness, and contentment are not rooted in his circumstances. Paul's peace, happiness, and contentment are rooted in his Lord. And so because these things are rooted in the Lord, Paul is experiencing joy even in the midst of a time that is not that joyful. And so as we look at our passage today, we're going to continue to see reminders of where our joy is to be rooted. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 1 through 9 today. Philippians chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 1 through 9. And as you're turning there, I want to take you back to how Paul ended chapter 3 last week, and then I want us to look at how chapter 4 is going to begin for us. So in verse 21 of chapter 3, Paul says, He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. Now the primary focus of that verse is the physical transformation of our bodies upon the return of Christ. But I don't want us to miss the end of that verse because we're told at the end of that verse that this transformation that's going to take place in our physical bodies upon the return of Christ, this transformation is going to take place by the power that enables Christ to subject everything to himself. I think this is an important reminder for us that everything is subject to Christ. Let me say that again. Everything is subject to 
to Christ. What this means is that there is nothing in this world that is above the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. Rather, everything in this world comes under and is subject to the power and the authority of Christ. Now, many times I will ask the question, have you allowed Jesus to be your Lord? But I want you to think about this. The reality is, is that Jesus is already your Lord. The reality is, is that, that Jesus is your Lord even before you allow him to be your Lord because everything, including you, is subject to Christ. You are not above the power and the authority of Jesus Christ, even if we live like we are. Everything is subject to Christ. And so while I ask that question, have you allowed Jesus to be your Lord? Really what I'm asking is, have you recognized the Lordship of Jesus Christ and have you submitted to his lordship, because we are all ultimately subject to him. Scripture tells us every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord whether we recognize it or not. So the question is, is have we recognized his lordship and have we submitted to his lordship? Everything is subject to Christ. So now I want us to, to look at how chapter 4 is going to begin, because in, in verse 1, I believe that what we see Paul say at the beginning of chapter 4 is significant as it relates to understanding that everything is subject to Christ. So Paul says in verse 1, So then, my dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters, my joy and my crown, in this manner stand firm in the Lord, dear friends." What Paul says here is really a result of that truth that everything is subject to Christ because when we recognize that, that everything ultimately comes under the power and the authority of Jesus Christ, then we will be able to fully and confidently stand firm in Him. So this last week we had an election. All right, maybe you followed that. I believe that it is important for all of us to exercise our right to vote. And as believers, I believe it's important for us to, to use God's word as our standard when we vote. However, when I go into that booth to cast my vote, I do so with the understanding that everything is subject to Christ. Meaning, my, my sure and solid foundation is not the candidate who I voted for but my sure and solid foundation is Christ, who is my king. You see, if we build our lives upon a candidate, then we certainly have a temporary and a faulty foundation. And if we build our lives upon a candidate, then we're going to have to get a new foundation every so many years. But when we build our lives upon Christ, when Christ is our sure and solid, solid foundation, when we understand that everything is subject to Him, and therefore we are building our lives upon Him, when we are standing firm in Him, what this means is that we can stand firm today, we can stand firm tomorrow, and we can stand firm every single day of our lives, regardless of who is voted into power we can stand firm because Christ is always king. So let me pause right here and just ask, what is the foundation that you are building your life upon? 
At the end of the day, what are you rooting your life in? Are you building your life upon temporary people and temporary things? Or are you building your life upon, are you rooting your life in the sure and solid foundation of Jesus Christ? Regardless of who's voted into earthly power, Christ is always going to be king. And so, what is the foundation that you're building your life upon? And if you're currently building your life upon temporary things, then then let me encourage you to begin building your life upon Jesus. Begin standing firm in Christ because everything is subject to Him. And when when, when our lives are built upon Him, when we are standing firm in Jesus Christ, then we will be able to walk in and experience this joy that Paul is talking about in this letter. So let's read Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Paul says, So then, my dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters, my joy and my crown, in this manner stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, there's any moral excellence, and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, as we look at this passage, I want to begin with what we see Paul talking about in verse 2. In verse 2, we, we see Paul mention two women, Euodia and Syntyche. Now, we really don't know much about these two women because they're not mentioned anywhere else in Scripture, but there are a couple of things that we do know based on what Paul says here. First, we know that Euodia and Syntyche were both women who were contending for the gospel at Paul's side. So in in the Baptist life, there there are some women that we mention each and every year, some prominent women that have made a lasting impact contending for the gospel. These women are Mary Hill Davis, Lottie Moon, and Annie Armstrong. Every year we take up the Mary Hill Davis offering for Texas Baptist missions. We take up the Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international missions, and we take up the Annie Armstrong Easter offering for North American missions. These are more modern-day women, even though they've all passed away. They're more modern-day women that we know and that we celebrate the fact that they were contending for the gospel. Euodia and Syntyche are are women that were contending for the gospel at Paul's side. We don't know specifically how they were doing this, but we're told that they were contending for the gospel. Second, we know that Euodia and Syntyche were in some type of disagreement or dispute with one another. 
Now, we don't know what this disagreement was about because social media didn't exist back then. And so it, they didn't post about it, whether themselves or, or whether someone else, right? It wasn't spread all over social media about this disagreement between these two women. But their disagreement was notable enough, it was profound enough for Paul to include in his letter to the Philippian church. Because what it would seem is that their disagreement had become a distraction for their mission. They were contending for the gospel, but it would seem that, that this disagreement that they have with one another, it, it had... It had become a distraction for them in their gospel mission. So let me pause right here and say this. We must not let disagreements derail us from our mission. We must not let disagreements derail us from our mission. Now, we don't have any major disagreements here at First Baptist Church Stockdale that I'm aware of right now. But this is what I do know. That because we are a church made up of people, just like every church is a church made up of people, there will be times that we do have disagreements. And so when we have those disagreements, we must not let those disagreements derail us from our gospel mission. Scripture doesn't tell us this, but because Paul is addressing this disagreement, it would seem to me... That, that this disagreement, that this dispute had derailed them from the gospel mission, from contending in the gospel. And so Paul urges these two women not to agree in their dispute, but to agree in the Lord. I think this is a good reminder for us that we can disagree in minor things and still agree in the Lord. We can disagree in minor things and still agree in the Lord. At the end of the day, we must keep our gospel mission at the forefront of our minds because the enemy wants nothing more than to see gospel-minded people, a gospel-minded church, to become derailed and distracted by disagreements. We can disagree in minor things, but we can still agree in the Lord. So Paul gives this reminder to agree in the Lord. Then in, once again in verse 4, Paul gives this reminder of joy for us. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. So back when Emily, my daughter, when she was in elementary school, every Friday when I would pick her up from school, I always had a song queued up in the car. So that when she got in the car, as soon as she sat down and buckled her seat, I could hit play on this song, and the song would start playing over the speakers. It was the song, It's Friday, Friday, gotta get down on Friday. All right. So this was just a, a, a song that we could sing and dance to in the car, that we could celebrate on the way home that it was Friday. As Paul gives this reminder of joy once again, as he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. He's saying, this is what needs to be queued up, not in our cars, but this is what needs to be queued up in our hearts. That, that when we face difficulty or, or when we face disagreements, that we would be reminded of where our joy is to be found. And, and here's the beauty of this. When we rejoice in the Lord, then we can experience 
this true and biblical joy, not just on Fridays, not just on the weekends, but we can experience this true and biblical joy every day of our lives. So let me just pause right here and ask, what's queued up in your heart? What's queued up in your heart? Where does your heart immediately go in times of trouble or in times of disagreements? What's queued up in your heart? And, and let me just encourage you with the words of Paul here. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. So we have this reminder to agree in the Lord, and we ha- as we have this reminder to, to rejoice in the Lord, I believe that the instructions that follow now are, that, that Paul gives us are instructions that can help us to, to uh, dissolve disagreements, and maybe even to uh, avoid disagreements altogether that we might remain focused on our gospel mission. So I want to look at some of these instructions with you right now. First, we need to be gracious to everyone. We need to be gracious to everyone. Let's look at verse 5 again. It says, Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. We need to be gracious to everyone. Now, some translations translate that word gracious or graciousness to gentleness, but really the, the word that's translated there bears the weight of the word softness. It's to be contrasted with a firm or a harsh word. I'm reminded of, of the wisdom from Proverbs 15.1. It says, a gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. In other words, a soft word can make a bigger impact than a harsh word. I think that's important for us to remember at times because sometimes our go-to is to blow up. Our go-to is, is a harsh word. A harsh or a soft word can make a bigger impact than a soft word. Listen, if your first response to things is a harsh word, if your first response to every disagreement is to to blow up and to respond in anger, people are either going to turn things up or they're going to tune you out. People are going to turn things up by responding in anger themselves and so things continue to escalate or they're going to tune you out and you're going to lose your voice in their life all together. Now, why does this matter? Because our ultimate goal as a believer is to share the gospel with all people. And we're not going to be able to share the gospel with effectively if we're constantly getting into arguments that, that are escalating, and we're not going to be able to share the gospel effectively if we lose our voice in people's lives. People are either going to turn things up or they're going to tune you out. And so we have to remember that a soft word can make a bigger impact than a harsh word. So where does this graciousness begin for us? Well, it begins right here. It begins as we are gracious to one another as a church family, and then it flows out from here. This graciousness flows out as we take it from here, as we take it into our homes, as we take it into our workplaces, as we take it into our communities. But it begins with us being gracious to one another right here as we agree in the Lord together and as we rejoice in the Lord together. So we need to be gracious to everyone. Second, we need to be prayerful in everything. We need to be prayerful in everything. Let's look at verses 6 and 7 again. It says, don't worry about anything, 
But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We need to be prayerful in everything. Now, as we think about some of the arguments that we get into, sometimes we get into those, these arguments because we are already on edge because of all of the worries that we are carrying, because of the things we're already worrying about. And so because we are worrying, because we're weighed down by all of these worries, we become short-tempered. And so Paul gives this reminder that we are not to worry about everything. In fact, he, he says this in a command form. Don't worry about anything. I want you to understand we're not simply advised not to worry. We are commanded not to worry. Because here's the deal. When we worry, we are clinging to things that we can't control when we need to release them to the one who is in control. When we worry, we are clinging to things we can't control when we need to release them to the one who is in control. And prayer is that method by which we are able to release the worries and the cares and the burdens that we have over to the one who is in control. And I want you to know that the Lord can be trusted with your worries because as we've already established, everything is subject to Christ. And because everything is subject to Christ, instead of worrying about things we can't control, we can stand firm in Him because He is in control. So let me just pause right here and ask, what are you worrying about today? What's weighing you down? Is it are you worrying about your kids? Are you worrying about your job? Are you worrying about the future? Are you worrying about this country? What, what are you worrying about today? And let me encourage you, instead of worrying about those things, release those things over to the one who is in control. Take those worries over to the Lord in prayer. Now, we have this command not to worry and really this command to pray... But then we have this promise of peace that if we will release these things over to the Lord, then we will have this peace that surpasses all understanding. So we need to be gracious to everyone. We need to be prayerful in everything. Finally, this morning, we need to be intentional with every thought. Let's look at verse 8 again. It says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence, if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. We need to be intentional with every thought. So when we were living up in Fort Worth, the house that we lived in, we had a one-car garage, and, and for bulk of our time living in that house, that garage was filled with junk. That garage was filled with boxes. You may be able to relate as you think about your own garage. But when COVID happened and, and everything was shut down and we had to be at home for a while, something positive came from that. I was able to clean out all the junk. I was able to clean out all those boxes. And so after I got that garage cleaned out... I put some lawn chairs in that garage, and at night, we would open up the garage door, and Sarah and I, we'd sit in those lawn chairs in the garage, and we'd just drink some coffee together. We cleaned the junk out, and we put something positive in its place. 
As Paul tells us to dwell on these things, he's saying, replace the junk with something better. Replace the junk with something better. Don't dwell on the things that cause you to worry. Don't dwell on the things that cause you to be angry. Release those things over to the Lord in prayer and then fill your mind with something better. Fill your mind with things that are honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and praiseworthy. Replace the junk with something better. And if we will be gracious to everyone, if we will be prayerful in everything, if we will be intentional with every thought, what we're going to see is is we're going to be able to dissolve disagreements. We may even be able to avoid some needless disagreements. But we're also going to, to begin to experience and walk in this peace that is a part of this undeniable joy. But as I've already said, before you begin pursuing this joy, first you need to pursue Jesus. And so the question that I have for you as we close today is, have you submitted your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Have you submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? And if you haven't, then I want to give you the opportunity to respond this morning. In just a moment, we're going to sing another song. And as we sing, this is going to be your opportunity to respond to whatever it is that God's doing in your heart and in your life this morning. And today, if you're here, if you would say, you know what, I haven't submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, but today I recognize that yes, Jesus did die for me and he did rise again and, and, and everything is subject to him, including me. And so today I'm ready to submit to his Lordship. I'm ready to ask him to forgive me of my sins. I'm ready for him to, to, to be Lord over me, to recognize that lordship over me. If that's you, then as we sing this song, I would invite you to respond. I'm going to be standing right down front. You can join me down here. I'd love to talk with you and pray with you. Today, you can recognize Jesus as Lord. Today, you can receive salvation into your life. Now, maybe you're here and you would say, you know what? I've given my life to Christ already. But I've never taken that next step of obedience with baptism. Listen, if we're going to submit to the lordship of Christ and walk in obedience, then that means obedience in every area of our life. And that begins with what God calls us to first as a believer, and that's baptism. And so if you've never taken that step of baptism, I would love for you to respond as well. I'd love for you to come. We can talk, we can pray, and we can get your baptism on the schedule. Now, maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ. I've been baptized by immersion already. I've been visiting First Baptist Church Stockdale, and I know that God's calling me to make this my church home, to connect my life with this church body, to be on mission with this church body. If that's you, then I would invite you to respond as well. We can talk. We can pray. Today, you can become a member here at First Baptist Church Stockdale. But whatever it is that God's calling you to do in these final moments, I would encourage you to respond obediently. Would you stand with me right now? Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you and have a great week.